Psalm 53. Uh, allow me to um, read the psalm and then um, I'll have just a few uh, comments upon it that uh, we might be able to uh, sing the psalm with better understanding. So, Psalm 53, here, God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. To the chief musician set to Mahalath, a contemplation of David. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God? There they are in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame, because God has despised them. Oh, that salvation, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When God brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Psalm 53, if I were to condense what I think the psalm is about, it's a psalm about vindicating God's justice. A psalm about vindicating God's justice. About the rightness, if you will, of God's anointed king in destroying the wicked. You may recall that in in the last month, Psalm 52 was about the notoriously wicked even within Israel, who use their wealth and their power and especially their tongue to devise and execute their evil plans against the righteous. And we saw that it was God's plan to eventually destroy them. Back in Psalm 52, I'll remind you of verses 4 and 5, speaking of the wicked, You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. But the question that may naturally come from this is, what about those who are not notoriously wicked, like Doeg was? Remember, the psalm last month in the historical context was about a man like Doeg. What about the generally good person, the good uh, citizen of society, those who are not necessarily criminals? Is the Lord just in condemning those enemies as well? And the answer that this psalm gives is a resounding yes. And I say resounding because the Lord gives the answer basically to us twice. This psalm is a repeated psalm of Psalm 14. Uh, Both psalms are attributed to King David. Uh, There are a few minor changes in Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, some differences of emphasis. But the psalm is basically given to us twice. 
which is not common in the Psalter. And I believe there's a, there's a reason for that. And that is God doesn't want us to miss the message of this psalm. He doesn't want us to miss the important point of this particular psalm. So he gives it to us again. Anytime God repeats himself in the Bible, uh, and he does that on various occasions, he is telling us that this is important. Now both Psalm 14 and 53 begin with that same well-known statement. The fool has said in his heart, that there is no God. And this idea of a fool, if we think about what Scripture has to say about the fool, it harkens back to the book of Proverbs, doesn't it? A book that speaks much about the difference between the wise and the foolish. And there we see that the the fool is basically the one who doesn't fear God and who does not heed God's word or submit to God's word. This, ver- thus, this verse here is not primarily referring to one who is an atheist, theoretically in his mind, but one who lives as an atheist practically. In other words, the fool here is the one who, whether he claims to believe in God or not, and they often do, practically speaking, there is a denial of the fact that God will hold them accountable for their sins and for their actions. Theologians have referred to this as practical atheism, which is far, far, far more common than theoretical atheism, the one who says that actually uh, doesn't believe that God exists. The Hebrew word here for fool is Nabal, Nabal, and it is the very same name given to the biblical character Nabal, you remember, who was married to Abigail and who acted very foolishly in Psalm in 1 Samuel 25 and almost got himself and his family killed by David and his army as a result of his folly. There are many such foolish characters in the Bible, like Doeg from the Psalm previous. Saul was a fool and many others. And the foolish, whether in Israel or outside of Israel, often oppose God's true people. In verse 4, the psalmist refers to them, the foolish, as the workers of iniquity who have no knowledge and who eat up my people as they eat bread. But this psalm reaches beyond those whom the psalmist knows, doesn't it? even beyond those who actively are opposing God and His anointed King and His people? Because what does the psalmist say in verse 2? God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. This idea of God looking down is reminiscent of uh, other passages in Scripture like Genesis chapter 11 where it says that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower of Babel, which the sons of men had built. But what is the answer that is given to us here in verse 3? What does God see? And by the way, whenever this is brought up, this idea that, that God's going to come down and look, like in the tower of Babel, or like in Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to go and see uh, what, um, if really the, the sins of, of the people in Sodom and Gomorrah are true. And so whenever that happens, it's, it's never a really a good outcome. And what do we see in this psalm? What does God see? Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, 
No, not one. In other words, they are all foolish. They are all sinful. You may recall that Paul quotes this verse at the beginning of Romans to establish the fact of the universal wickedness of mankind. This understanding of the universal depravity of men is given, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, that all the world may become guilty before God. In other words, God is just to do whatever He seems fitting to Him and to do with His creatures because they are all, in and of themselves, in their very being and essence, rebellious, sinful, foolish. If any are wise, it is only because God has changed them and made them to be so. That is what it says in verse 6 of this psalm. If you look back down at verse 6, it says, When God brings back the captivity of His people, all people, even God's people, before they were changed, are held captive by their sin until God changes them. This is the captivity that is in view here. One might be prone to think on the surface that this is speaking something about like the Babylonian captivity. But this is highly unlikely since David is the author of this psalm and that captivity took place after his time. That phrase, when God brings back the captivity of his people, in Hebrew is literally when God turns, or could also be translated returns, when God turns with a turning his people. And it can be translated return, and that's why people translate it as bringing back from a captivity. When God turns or returns with a turning his people. In other words, God's people will turn to him when he turns his people. Young's literal translation uh, translates the verse this way. When God turns back a captivity of his people. So verse 6 would read this way. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When God turns back a captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And what will happen to those who are not turned? who remain in their folly and their sin like Doeg and Saul and countless others. Verse 5 tells us, There they are in great fear where no fear was. In other words, they live their whole whole lives in folly, unafraid of God. They didn't acknowledge Him in their thoughts, but now they are in great fear. For God has scattered the bones of Him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. Now, who is the you in that verse? And this is very important to realize. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame. If the you is referring to God's people, then it should say them, or the you would at least be in the plural. But the you is in the singular. This is clearly a reference to God's anointed king, to Christ who has been encamped against and who will bring to shame those who encamp against him and his people. Thus it is also Christ who will come forth from Zion bringing salvation to his people. Therefore, as we sing this psalm, let us remember that though we were fools, Christ has been made unto us wisdom.
and He has made us wise. And though we all deserve His justice, we have been made to know His grace. So with that in mind, let us uh, turn in our blue psalters to uh, Psalm 53, and we will sing the uh, B selection. <clears throat> 